Well, no Tyler McComas today, but I'll say this, Travis Davidson. Are you a uh, you a superstitious man? I'm a little stitious. Um, no, no, not really. Okay, interesting. Well, uh, you know, I played baseball for years and years. And you, years. you, you, people. So baseball players at, at are this rate, at this rate, ever. we got to keep Tyler as far away from the airwaves as possible because the vibes are immaculate right yes. now yes, with this OU are. baseball team. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you live from the session room in Omaha, Nebraska. One block to the west of Charles Schwab Field where the Sooners are currently putting it on the Texas A&M Aggies 12-4 to as we kick off the top of the fifth inning. Right, Skip Johnson's boys have got it all working right now. A, a common uh, belief amongst Oklahomans uh, is that if you live in Oklahoma long enough, you are a bit of an amateur meteorologist, if you will. <laughs> um, so, you know... Everybody, they're standing out on their porch, you know, watching the tornadoes come in. They're looking up at the clouds. They're determining this, that, and the other. Um, that's what it's like when you're in Omaha with Parker Thune and baseball. Um, I think if you're in Omaha, you are you're you're a baseball analyst. It's just it's in your blood, and uh, it's it's been so much fun uh, listening to Parker. Uh, really, the whole trip up. Um, the whole way back from uh, Vegas, we had 17 hours to discuss it, so um, I, I learned uh, all I needed to at that point, I think. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. So uh, getting back into recruiting, of course, uh, we keep on getting pulled away by baseball, which is a good thing because we've had a lot of really good things to talk about. Um, but uh, some more good things to talk about. Um, if we are able to land Jaquizzi Petaway, uh, who is a top 50 player in the 2023 class wide receiver. And we already have five-star um, Jackson Arnold in the class. Uh, what does that say to Levy's recruiting ability, and especially to those who said that Oklahoma is not going to be able to recruit offense anymore? Well, I'll say this much. The narrative is put to rest on the football field. So ultimately it's going to come down to how Levy's offense performs and how his recruits perform on the gridiron. However, I do think it's going to issue a statement to the rest of the country that, hey, you know what, Oklahoma is still going to be able to recruit elite skill position players regardless of who's calling the shots in Norman because there was a thought that Lincoln Riley's departure would mean that the Sooners' recruiting efforts would suffer as it pertains to particularly the quarterback position and the wide receiver position because those were the two spots that Riley quite characteristically recruited very well. So if Jeff Lebby were to land a five-star quarterback and one of the top, what is he, top ten, one of the top ten wide receivers in this entire cycle, a top 50 player regardless of position, that tells you all you need to know about the drop-off, the perceived drop-off or lack thereof that you're going to get with this Oklahoma offense. Right, and for those that... uh are new to the program Oklahoma did play offense before Lincoln Riley arrived on campus and I mean the reports I've heard out of Norman is that they they do plan to play offense going forward now we do have the KREF stats and info department working to confirm yeah this. I'm gonna need that confirmed because I'm not a guy I don't want to be spreading lies on the airwaves here and I certainly don't want to be spreading lives uh, spreading lies here in the session room in Omaha uh, they won't let us back, and I'm going to probably come back for another one of those brats. But, yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and field an offense this year and try and score 
Um, of course, we'll take some defensive scores. We'll take uh, some special teams, maybe some maybe some kick return touchdowns, maybe you some don't punt say. return touchdowns. I it's believe. been a good long while since we've seen uh, one of those. Yeah, well, it's been a good long while since we've seen a return, let alone a touchdown on it. So um, <laughs> while we will look to score in other ways, I, I, I almost can confirm, again, we're going to run the numbers, that Oklahoma will be fielding an offense despite the departure of Lincoln Riley. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, I think with that, Let's talk about defense a little bit. Uh, obviously, uh, we had a, a safety target in Kilgore that went to uh, Jaden Kilgore, who ended up at South Carolina, I believe, just committed recently. Um, what what other safety prospects are we in on? Yeah, so the big three at that position right now, you already have Eric McCarty committed, the local product out of McAllister, Oklahoma. He is going to play safety. That is the plan as of right now for him. But the big three, the three guys that we've probably talked about more than any others on that board at safety are Jalen Kilgore, who is now a South Carolina Gamecock, Tyler Turner, who is down to a final two of Oklahoma and Oregon and is actually on his official visit with the Ducks this weekend, and then four-star safety Peyton Bowen, teammate of Jackson Arnold at Denton Geyer High School. Now, Peyton Bowen is the number 51 overall player in the nation in this 2023 cycle. He has been committed to Notre Dame for nearly six months. The reality of the situation, Travis, is that nobody really expects Peyton Bowen's commitment to Notre Dame to stick. Now, does that mean he automatically ends up at Oklahoma if and when he decommits from Notre Dame? Not necessarily. Alabama is involved. Texas A&M is also involved. But one thing that we do know definitively about Peyton Bowen is that he keeps showing up to Oklahoma on his own dime. I think as of right now, we're up to four unofficial visits in calendar year 2022 for Peyton Bowen at the University of Oklahoma. So the fact that OU is the spot that he keeps coming back to He's visited A&M once, he's visited Alabama once, but he's visited Oklahoma four times. That's a pretty solid indication that if and when that decommitment does come, Oklahoma's your front runner. Well, I, I, I certainly like that. He would definitely be the top on my board, uh, given those three big three options, if you will, talking about safety. Now, you say uh, he keeps coming back maybe four visits. Is Is that just tagging along with Jackson Arnold situations or um, is it just okay it's a little bit closer to home so it's it's an easy drive for him uh, who's really who's really heading up that recruitment yeah so Jackson Arnold has been crucial in that recruitment and he's been on Peyton Bowen ever since he committed to Oklahoma in late January trying to bring Bowen to Oklahoma with him I mean you're looking at potential college roommates if things turn out the way Jackson Arnold wants them to turn out and obviously the way every Sooner fan wants Peyton Bowen's recruitment to turn out but Brandon Hall and Brent Venables both have been instrumental in the Sooners pursuit of Peyton Bowen again as far as Notre Dame is concerned he is still committed there as of now but again as I mentioned there is a prevailing thought that he will end up decommitting at some point in time. That is going to be pivotal. This will be a pivotal recruitment for the Sooners in general because if you can flip Peyton Bowen and you can get him to Oklahoma, that's huge for your safety room. But also, if you can go toe-to-toe 
with Texas A&M and Alabama in a recruiting battle for a defensive player and a high-end one at that. That speaks volumes for your new defensive regime. Yeah, I think uh, I think Sooner fans would very much welcome a uh, a defensive recruiting win for an elite player over Alabama, certainly, but recently over Texas A&M. So um, we've been hearing that name Peyton Bowen for a while now, um, and it's it's interesting because you know given the again overlying you know belief that that commitment is not going to stick he's not decommitted yet as far as i've seen and this has been going on for a while is there any point in time uh, during his recruitment where you say you know what we 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 we've been thinking he's been decommitting for the last you know three four five months um and it's just not happening is there any point where you could see it just sticking with notre dame uh some part of me thinks that might be a possibility because I never want to completely rule out Marcus Freeman. Right. And right. There are few people that are higher on Marcus Freeman as a football coach than me. And listeners of this show, regular listeners, know that better than anyone else. Uh, but in my eyes, it, Peyton Bowen is going to end up elsewhere. If you've taken a look at the general vibe of his recruitment over the last couple months, it's pretty clear that. He just doesn't feel like he fits at Notre Dame. And when he's when he's looked around as much as he has, at what point does Notre Dame as a program say, you know what, it's pretty clear that you're not coming back around. Why don't we go our separate ra- ways? Now, as far as Oklahoma is concerned, Bowen's a guy that you always leave the light on for. Right, right. And right. You, will, you will keep the lines of communication open with him all the way up until National Signing Day, if that's how long it takes, because he's that good. Speaking of leaving the light on for recruits, we are getting a little bit full. Uh, I had mentioned earlier linebacker, things like that. (laughs) What are some of the other names that we are leaving the light on for that we think we're still in the recruitment, enough in the recruitment to, again, leave that light on for them? Can you give us some names? Yeah, well, Anthony Hill's a big one. Well, maybe the biggest uh, one. Again, Oklahoma is very squarely in the mix right now for six or seven linebackers in addition to the one that they already have committed three-star Caleb Spencer out of the state of Virginia. I want to tie this in with a question from the Air Comfort Solutions text line. One of our listeners asked, Parker and Travis, follow up on PJ. Do we have a general timeline for an announcement? I would expect that comes in the next month or so. But the second half of the question is where this gets interesting. Uh, Listener also asked, where do we stand with Dalen Smothers, the four-star running back out of North Carolina? Again, we talked about it earlier. Caleb Hicks is committed. The Sooners have one running back locked down. They would like to take two in this cycle. And right now they lead. They, In fact, they own a pretty sizable lead for Dalen Smothers. So if he wraps up his official visit circuit and loops back around, commits to Oklahoma, you have your two running backs. But then at that point, it is very likely that Richard Young is still uncommitted. Now, the Sooners hosted Richard Young on an official visit at the beginning of the month. I have said time and time again that I believe Richard Young will commit to the Alabama Crimson Tide when all is said and done. However, let's just say, just for kicks and giggles here, Travis, let's just say in this hypothetical realm, you end up with a commitment from Dalen Smothers. You've already got Caleb Hicks locked in. And Richard Young 
gets you on the phone and says, hey, you know what? I like Alabama. I like Notre Dame. I like Oregon. It's nothing, nothing wrong with any of those programs. But you know what? I really, really like my situation with the University of Oklahoma. I love the relationship with DeMarco Murray. I love what I can be in that offense. I want to go ahead and commit. You're not going to tell Richard no. Young no. No, no. If it means taking three running backs, you take three running backs. But you're not going to tell Richard Young no. So, again, to me, it has to be a very, very high-end football player. It has to be a Richard Young. It has to be an Anthony Hill. It has to be a Peyton Bowen if you're going to truly take the approach uh, such that regardless of when they want to come, you're going to make a spot for them if they want to come. What about uh... – what about another name, uh, Troy Bowles? <laughs> Man, again, we talk about the linebacker situation, and Anthony Hill is the guy you're holding out for. He's the guy that will always have a spot at Oklahoma if he wants it. But the Sooners have Caleb Spencer committed. They're training really well for Phil Picciotti, the three-star out of Pennsylvania. He will be a four-star before long, as will Samuel Masigo, another linebacker that they're in a strong position for out of the state of Texas. They're in it for Whit Weeks. They're in it for four-star linebacker Lewis Carter out of the state of Florida. And obviously, they're very much in it for Troy Bowles. That looks like an OU-Georgia battle at the moment. And so I, I do think Bowles falls into that category to me where you're going to make room for him if that's what it comes to. But I think in an ideal world, you get a guy like that in the boat early because then you don't have to take one more linebacker than you're anticipating. You can afford to turn a guy or two away. And also, he's going to help build momentum for the remainder of this class. And we, as we look ahead to the next few weeks, there's a good chance the Sooners pick up commitments from four-star offensive linemen Caden Green and Peyton Kirkland in the month of July. That could be huge in terms of kick-starting momentum. Right, right. And uh, something to consider uh, for those who haven't followed along extremely closely or even relatively closely at this point. Uh, Troy Bowles is son of one Todd Bowles, head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So do you look for that recruitment to wrap up before his season starts? Because obviously his dad is going to be a little busy, I don't know, coaching Tom Brady in what might be his last year. Um, he's not going to be able to probably pop out and go on you know, visits. Uh, do you think? Do you think he's looking to wrap it up sooner rather than later because of that? Yeah, and I know his dad is also very, very involved in his recruitment process in a good way. Todd Bowles is one of those guys that gets it. He's not playing helicopter dad, but he's involved in all the right ways. And so, I do think Troy Bowles has a decision made by fall. The question is, does that precede decisions from Phil Picciotti or Whit Weeks or Samuel Masigo or Lewis Carter? I think at some point, you're going to have to turn somebody away. It's just a matter of who that is. Or, alternatively, you may have to look at one of your commits and say, hey, thanks, we appreciate you. It's not that we, we think any worse of you as a football player, but we're going to have to part ways because we can't turn this other guy down. Do you, do you see Brent Venables uh, processing a kid like that? It's hard to say because your knee-jerk reaction would be, no, absolutely not. Because right? Right. that's not the right. way Venables rolls. But you've seen the way that, and, and look, it's, I'm purely speculating here. I'm not talking off of intel. But the way that several of the lower-down players on the depth chart hit the transfer portal after the spring season concluded, 
kind of gives you the inclination that if Brent Venables isn't directly processing them, he and his staff are at least suggesting, hey, you know what? For our good as well as yours, you might want to pursue other options because it's probably not going to happen for you here. Well, in the way Venables speaks, I mean, it it almost feels like if he did, you know, kind of process a, a current commit like that, I feel like he would do it in such a way that they'd almost appreciate it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I, I think based on what we know about Venables is he's not going to do necessarily wrong by any kid. Um, but the reality is it seems like we're in it for – three top ten linebackers. I mean, when you, when you you know, mention those names like Bowles and Carter and, and certainly Hill, I mean, I believe, you know, I think that's the for the, the number one ranked, the number three ranked, and the number ninth ranked in, in opposite order there. So, I mean, when you have chances at three top ten linebackers, you you got to leave the light on. So, uh, gentlemen, if you are listening to today's uh, show, <laughs> the light is on. The light is on. Go ahead and come on home. Come All on right, home. the party rolls on from Omaha, Nebraska. It's the greatest show on earth, the College World Series. We are live from the session room on 14th and coming. In the shadow of Charles Schwabfield, Sooners lead Texas A&M 12-4 through five innings. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson, continuing on, on air here with you all the way up until 6 p.m. Central Time. We will take you all the way up to the end of the OU game and have the full debrief thereafter. It's been a fun day thus far, especially if you're Skip Johnson and the Oklahoma baseball crew. Stay with us. It's the Ref Sports Radio Network. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Rushes back. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson live from Omaha. Sooners lead A&M 12-4 in the opening game of this 2022 College World Series. I tell you what, Travis, the Sooners' bats have been elite thus far today. About the only thing that can approach those bats in terms of eliteness, I would say, have been the brats and shoestring fries that we threw down here at the session room. I'll tell you what, after we got set up, we had to uh, run around a little bit, and uh, obviously it's busy down here, so parking uh, um, was... uh, you know, a, a situation, but we got it all taken care of. But I'll tell you what, those brats hit the spot. Parker cooked up some uh, lovely ciabatta um, breakfast sandwiches this morning. Uh, I'm big ciabatta guy. And I'll tell you what, yeah, big, ciabatta was also on our burgers last night. Dang big, right. Big-time ciabatta guy. Um, give me give me your favorite breads on the text line. <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, yeah, we. Uh, but after that long drive, about seven-hour drive took us, and uh, – Man, those brats were good. So had those, some fries, knocked them all down. I I can't promise you that I'm not going to have another one after the show. Or maybe in the final hour of the show, if you notice that I maybe don't talk for a while, it's probably because he's stalling while I chew. So, you know, maybe maybe just mind your business if, uh, if you think I'm eating a, a little snack. So just to get you all up to speed here for those of you that are not listening to Toby Rowland's call of the Sooners and Aggies on the KREF app. We are headed to the bottom of the sixth. Oklahoma leads 12-4 to on the strength of a three-run homer from Jimmy Crooks, three RBIs from Blake Robertson, and a big-time grand slam from Jackson Nicholas that really broke this game wide open. Yeah, now, at this point in time, Jake Bennett still rolling for Oklahoma through five innings. We'll see if he comes back out for the sixth. 
The question at this point in a blowout game becomes how long do you ride your starter? Do you shelve him early in, tr- in order to potentially save some of his stamina for a return on Tuesday or at the very least an appearance out of the bullpen? So we'll see how Skip Johnson, who is a pitching guru, we'll see how he plays it here with the Sooners staked to an eight-run lead in their opening game of the College World Series, looking for their first win in Omaha since 1994 when they dogpiled on the mound after that 13-5 series clinching win over Georgia Tech, the program's last national title in the sport of baseball. Right, and I want to talk about pitching a little bit. Uh, You know, you mentioned, do do you go to... You know, do you go to Sandlin? Do you go to Chaz? Obviously, I don't think you go to Sandlin here. But do you go into the bullpen and 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 think to yourself, okay, whoever we go up against, if we if this lead holds, again, we're op- we're we're speaking as if and operating under the assumption that this lead holds. So, do you go to bullpen now, and then, you know, the winner takes on the winner of Texas and Notre Dame. Notre Dame just took down who many thought was the best team in baseball, who really was the best team in baseball, if we're being honest with ourselves, in Tennessee, at Tennessee. So, you know, they're hot right now. Obviously, Texas has a ton of talent. They were ranked number one in the season earlier. Obviously, faltered a little bit, but took care of business in the regional and then the super regional um, uh, on the road, actually, uh, at East Carolina. So I think you got to save as many arms as you can um, for uh, for this next matchup. And they're, of course, interviewing uh, Kyler Murray on the screen right now. He's been loving that OU trucker hat, that kind of throwback OU <laughs> trucker hat. He's been wearing that to practice in Arizona. He's been, he's been loving that hat. I do think it's funny how they caption him as 2018 Heisman Trophy winner at OU. They do know he played baseball there too, right? I don't think I, – I have not seen them – you know, I'm sure they're talking about it, but I've not seen them label him as, oh, you know, center fielder. Like, it just, you got to, you got to put a little bit of a tie to the program. I mean, the, the man did play baseball there. Yeah, you know, it's, it's nice to see Texas A&M alum Kyler Murray getting the chance <laughs> to watch the program of which he is so proud compete on the diamond, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, this is, uh, this, this could be the, uh, you know the what the Kyler Murray, uh, Trevor Knight, uh, Keith Ford um, matchup if you if you like, and Brandon Williams too. Brandon Williams, yep, yep. <laughs> oh, and he, now they've got him showing off his pajama pants. Is he? In, he's what's no, going he's, on? He's here? legit wearing pajama pants. What's that's, going on? That's here? a look. Who do you think he is, Nico? That's a look. I yeah. don't know if it's a good one, but this, it's a look. Uh, I I can tell you what they're definitely. Uh, they're definitely a little bored in this eight-run game right now when you start talking about pajama pants. You know, there are, there are a lot of Texas fans in here. I say a lot. You know, there are, there are eight probably that I've seen, uh, but with different groups. I need to, during one of the breaks, I need to ask them where their allegiances lie in this game. Obviously, we already heard from Will, um, and he's pulling for OU. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I would be interested to poll the Texas fans here and ask whether they hate Oklahoma or Texas A&M more. Because yeah, it's not which one they like better. You no, can't phrase yeah, no, it that way. you can't. But I feel like you'd have folks on both sides of the aisle in that regard. So look into the future uh, in this game for Oklahoma. Jake Bennett has come back out to work the sixth. He is at 85 pitches with one out here in the bottom of the sixth inning. In the Sooners' bullpen, 
we know that they're probably in all likelihood not going to throw David Sandlin, although he is available out of the pen today, as manager Skip Johnson uh, noted earlier. They're probably not going to deploy Trevin Michael. They're probably not going to deploy Jarrett Godman if they can afford it. So the bullpen arms that you're looking at that could potentially see some action. you also got Carter Campbell, the prized lefty, that they will try to save. you got Braden Carmichael, Colton Sunloff, Carson Atwood, Ben Abram, Javier Ramos, and freshman Aaron Calhoun. Any and all of those guys could come in late in this game once Bennett's time has come and passed. Well, you have, you have the opportunity to pitch situationally, too. I mean, if you really get into it, with that many arms and with, with this big of a lead, you can really, I mean, you, you, can, you can use as many as you'd like just to make sure you are in absolute prime position for a Sunday matchup if this lead holds with, again, if, if Notre Dame wins that game, it's because they beat the hottest team in college baseball, the probably best, most talented team in college baseball, which is Tennessee, and then we're going to be we're going to and then they would have had to beat Texas to play us. I don't know. I, I think I think you want to go into Sunday at your absolute optimal prime pitching position. Well, I stand corrected. Be the Air Comfort Solutions text line. If the Sooners close this one out against Texas A&M, which looks like a safe bet at the moment, they lead 12 to 4 in the hey, sixth. It's Omaha. Texas A&M lights up after the sixth. Uh, we'll see. If they win today and they win Sunday against the victor in that Texas Notre Dame nightcap tonight, they would actually play not Tuesday, but Wednesday. So well, they would get an extra day off. And so maybe that's what Skip Johnson's counting on here. Get as much as you can out of Jake Bennett. And then if he has to come back Wednesday, He's on four days rest, and it's manageable no matter how many pitches he throws. The Sooners' ace has started to pick it up. Gave up four runs over the first four innings. Has started to shut things down in that regard. The Aggies haven't been able to get a run across in either the fifth or the sixth frame thus far. One out here in the sixth. Again, 12-4 Oklahoma. We're going to hit a break here on the rush. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson, live from the session room in Omaha, We'll come back, continue to talk Sooner Baseball, as well as some football and recruiting, with you all the way until 6 o'clock. This is The Rush on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Stay right here. We're coming back from the greatest show on dirt. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. It's The Rush, live from Omaha, Parker Thune. Travis Davidson taking you all the way up until 6 p.m on the ref sports radio network sooners are rolling they continue to roll couple of updates to throw your way though brett squires has sustained a broken left hand after being hit by a pitch in the fourth inning so the sooners designated hitter uh well sometimes designated hitter i I suppose that's not always where he's at but usually brett squires occupying the dh spot uh, he is unlike I would I would figure unlikely to play in the remainder of this series. So the Sooners will have to replace his bat in the lineup. Fortunately, the other eight in the lineup, I'm sure, can pick up the slack based on the way that they are connecting with the baseball today. Also, curiously enough, Skip Johnson does have David Sandlin up in the Oklahoma bullpen. So Sandlin was in line to be your Sunday starter, and maybe he still is at this point. But it looks as though you're going to see him in the later innings here in Omaha. 
as the Sooners are nine outs away from a series opening victory, a victory that would be their first in the College World Series since 1994. Who do you like plugging into that position now that uh, we are down a batter and one that's, uh, you know, had some definite bright spots uh, this season and, again, is part of that 7-8-9 and nine that has really given us um, kind of a, an advantage throughout not only the regional but the super regional as well. Yeah, well, at this point, I think it depends on the matchups. Okay. Right? I mean, the guys you got coming off the bench, Max McGuire has had some nice moments. Cade Horton can swing the bat a little bit. Sebastian Orduno is no slouch. So the Sooners have viable options off the bench, but nobody, I would say, that is a surefire matchup nightmare against both lefties and righties. So I would imagine it probably comes down to who the starting pitcher is opposite the Sooners on Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, etc., so on and so forth. But you're unlikely to see Brent Squires again for the remainder of this series unless he drinks some sort of superhuman some, serum. Some, that, some of Michael's secret stuff uh, from uh, Space Jam, maybe. Un- unfortunate break for Squires, but Literally, again, yeah. Sooners have an eight-run lead. Hot, hot afternoon here in Omaha, Nebraska. We are live from the session room, one block west of Charles Schwab Field. And John Spikerman has just taken a walk. The Sooners have one on and one out in the top of the seventh inning. We touched on him earlier, man, but how can you not be impressed with what Spike has done for this team over the last two months? Oh, it'd be, I mean, it'd be impossible not to be impressed. I mean, you look at kind of the resurgence uh, of this offense, and I think you can point... I think you can honestly point to two things because obviously, um, you know, Peyton Graham's going to get, you know, get you his. But I think you look at uh, um, Spikeman and I think you look at Kendall Pettis. Uh, when you look at what KP's been able to do, um, just his average, I mean, you look at his power. I mean, he had the same amount of uh, home runs, what, in the, uh, in the regional and super regional as he did the whole season. So uh, getting him healthy. Um, I think those are two guys that have stepped up. And really, again, you can point to our offensive production on that uptick by, by really focusing in on, on those two guys. I, I did say, man, earlier on, I thought, man, I, almost, I felt like I misspoke that Sandlin might be going to the bullpen. And then we look up, and there he is. I mean, hey, Skip Johnson knows what he's doing, but that, that surprised me a bit. And far be it from us to question Skip, especially when his team leads 12-4. to 4 over what was a red-hot Texas A&M program yeah. under revered head coach Jim Schlossnagel. Speaking of red-hot, we had a we had a guy uh, that just came in here, and he was, I mean, visibly sweating and red, <laughs> and he came over from the stadium. He was watching the game, came over from the stadium because it was so hot. He turned around, and he said that paint from the bleachers is melting onto his clothes. Oh, yeah. He turned around. I could see. I could see his back covered in paint that he said came from the bleachers. I won't lie. I feel pretty good here in the session room, um, laid back with a nice cold ice water, um, taken in the game comfortably. Yeah, no, man, that's part of the Omaha experience right there. You haven't, you haven't lived the Omaha experience until you've had paint melt onto your clothes. That's why you never, you never wear shorts that you value to one of these games. You know, you, you gotta know, you gotta go to the second tier of clothing options, you know, especially you, if you're sitting out in GA in the sun. You know what you sounded like right there is everybody's argument for the Red River to stay in the Cotton Bowl. Exactly, you know it's just part of the experience. You know, 
It's you got to be miserable. You got to be sunburnt. You got to be, you know, this, that, and the other. And it's it's true. It's simply true. And and sometimes that's how you know that you're the you're the hardcore fan. And you know you're willing to to sweat a little bit, get a little sunburnt. We do we do have sunscreen with us. Just just to to throw that out there in case my mother's listening. Uh, yes, we did bring sun sunscreen, so we should be in good shape. But what's the uh, what's the text line doing? We got anybody uh, saying hello? Let me check. Anybody on t- anybody say their favorite breads? Now to, to now okay. So I will say. The Sooners have now tried to run twice on Texas A&M catcher Troy Clunch this afternoon. He has shut that down both times, just threw out John Spikerman on a strike-him-out, throw-him-out double play to end the top half of the seventh Well, and that was not – that was – I mean, when you look at that tag, that was extremely close. It is absolutely true, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he's caught us stealing twice, attempting to steal twice. But that time, the throw was way out to the right. Uh, it was a great play by the fielder to, to, to bring it down and get that tag, but that was extremely close. We'll see if they keep being aggressive on the base paths up by eight runs. Okay, so per the Air Comfort Solutions text line, this comes from David in Norman. And I must have missed this earlier because you and I were both in the car making the drive from Norman to Omaha, and we listened twice over to T. Rowe's interview with Skip Johnson, and I completely glossed over this, I'll admit it. Uh, but David and Norman says Skip mentioned earlier that he had told Sandlin he was going with Cade Horton as the Sunday starter, which makes some sense because Cade, Court, Cade Horton has come up with a couple of big starts oh, his big, last couple times time. out for Oklahoma. And Sandlin must, must although, wins. I mean, elimination yes, wins. Yeah. Yes, and although Sandlin has been superb for much of the season, he has kind of been roughed up a little bit more so than Bennett and Horton thus far in the postseason. Yeah, yeah and, and, and absolutely. Horton. Pitch Sunday, cool, love it. But at the same time, Sandlin is still, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen Sunday night. So I am always somebody who's going to err on the side of caution when it comes to pitching. You're up eight runs. Don't don't mess with a starter's arm at all. Even, even if you do consider him your third starter, you do not know what's going to happen uh, against those bats uh, tomorrow or Sunday night if this lead holds. Everything I say on on the radio about this game or about Sunday, please take it with the if this leads hold if this lead holds caveat because that's what I mean. I am not jinxing us. I know you, baseball people around here crazy superstitious, and I don't want to I don't want to be run out of town. So again, if this lead holds, Jake so. Bennett is done for the day. Five hits, four runs, no walks, and three strikeouts through six innings. He threw 92 pitches. He is in line for the win. And on to pitch for the Sooners is David Sandlin. So I suppose I see what Skip Johnson's doing here. Of course. Give Sandlin a low leverage situation to try and build that confidence back. And if you're in a position where you can roll him out as the starter on Wednesday and feel good about it, then you do that. If not, you got Bennett on four days rest, and you can come back with him as well, assuming you win Sunday. I, w- I don't want to get too far ahead of myself there. have to win Sunday first. If you have a Wednesday game, you can go with either Sandlin or Jake Bennett as your starter. If you end up with a Tuesday game, 
then in all likelihood you're going with Sandler. We are teeing up some big jinxes right now. I know, man. Talking about Wednesday I know, games man. and Sunday night games. It's hard, but no, Ty- Tyler's the jinx. Yeah, Tyler's not here, so that's that's true. We got we got to carry some of the weight. There's no doubt about it. It's it's going to be really really hard to jinx an eight run lead. So, but 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 I, I want to bring this back to, and I know I've been bringing it back to softball um, a lot, but this reminds me of the Nicole May game against UCLA that we lost, right? So Nicole May goes out. Kind of a, a similar outing to this. Gives up some earned runs and whatnot. The difference is you got 12 runs on the board. When you get this type of run support, it I mean, the the, the pitcher, the, the stress and the narrative that, that goes along with it. I don't think anybody's going to be mad at the start today, giving up four, four earned runs through six innings. Um, but when you have this type of run support, and that's what's always important to remember when talking about pitching outings, if you have this type of run support, then it, a pitcher can can give up four runs, five runs, and you're still comfortable. Let's go ahead and hit a quick break. Just about halfway home on this installment of the Friday Rush live from Omaha. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson, Sooners enjoying a large lead over Texas A&M at the moment, 12-4 to in the seventh inning. More from Omaha, more baseball talk, more football more recruiting. We'll be here till 6 o'clock p.m. Coming right back on the other side of the break, you're listening to the Ref Sports Radio Network. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Oh, yeah. It's a good day to be a Sooner, Travis Davidson. It's a good, it's been a good spring to be a Sooner. It is the rush live from Omaha, Nebraska. Site of the 2022 Men's College World Series. Sooners lead Texas A&M 12-4, although the Aggies are about to get a run back on an RBI single, so that'll make it 12-5. Regardless, Sooners rolling in the opening game of this men's CWS. The Sooners have not been to Omaha since 2010. They have not won a game in Omaha since 1994. Obviously, they already snapped one of those droughts, it appears that they are well on their way to snapping the other drought, assuming the bullpen can hold it together down the stretch here for Oklahoma. If you want to interact with the show, Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. And if you're in Omaha, the place to be in the aftermath, the after party as it were, is happening right here at the session room, 14th and coming, a stone's throw from Charles Schwabfield. Literally a stone's throw. Uh, it, to be fair, it would have to be a pretty impressive stone's throw. Yes. But a stone's throw nonetheless. Yeah, it's it, it would be quite the throw. But, I mean, you're wearing a shirt that says Oklahoma on it, so I've, I've learned to not doubt the capabilities of anybody wearing the crimson and cream, uh, you know, especially today. So it's interesting. Obviously, you said A&M uh, picked up that run. We still have that 12-5 lead. Uh, Skip Johnson heads to the mound uh, for a little chat, and now he's headed back to the dugout. So we'll see if Sandlin can uh, get out of this bit of a jam he's in. Not not crazy jam, but bit of a jam he's in. Uh, we do have two uh, pitchers warming up in the bullpen, uh, including our closer. So we'll see. Parker says it's a little bit early. but I, I, I don't know, man. Seems seems a little bit early in the game to be pulling out Trevin Michael and into the bullpen because uh, though the Aggies do have two on in the bottom of the seventh, 
They still trail 12 to 5. That's still a seven run lead. So I understand that Michael's probably just lightly tossing for now, but if you can avoid using him today, that would be fantastic. Keep him at full tilt heading into Sunday because if the Sooners do win and they do close this one out, they will play the winner of the Texas and Notre Dame nightcap. And if if you can get Cade Horton and Trevin Michael to take you all the way on Sunday, you figure that gives the Sooners a really, really good chance to start out this tournament 2-0 and and get an extra day of rest before they got to loop around and play again on Wednesday for, at that point, what would be an opportunity to advance to the championship series. Oh, absolutely. And for those of you that listened to Mr. Toby Rowland uh, this morning, uh, he had talked about kind of the representation of the fan bases here. And we, we, we broke down the mileage, uh, KREF stats and info, uh, ran the mileage down, and the Arkansas Razorbacks are the closest. Fayetteville is the closest campus to Omaha. Uh, so if you go by uh, softball rules, that, that means they should win since they have home field advantage. Norman is the second closest. But the third closest, I believe, is South Bend. Uh, yes, indeed. So, And you can tell uh, there is a large faction of Notre Dame fans here. Uh, we are seeing a lot of the Golden Domers, uh, uh, the Golden Domaha faction, if you will. Uh, but, yeah, there are a lot of them very well represented. A lot of Texas fans here, a lot of Oklahoma. I mean, we just got a little bit of everybody. This is my first time in Omaha. I'm having a blast. I think I just got fact-checked on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Somebody said, oh, you beat South Carolina in the 2010 College World Series. That was the last win in Omaha. I have no recollection of that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. I'm going to dig through the archives and make sure that that's accurate because that if that is so, major oversight on my part. My apologies. But Sooner Nation showing out strong both here in Omaha and across the country on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Sam B. listening in Concho, Oklahoma. Another listener texted in to say, listening to the Sooners today from the CABA 13U State Tournament in Golden, Colorado. Boomer. Ah, the home of Coors. Sooners lead 12-6, and we're going to hit a break here at the top of the hour on the rush. Parker Thune and Travis Davidson live from the session room in Omaha. The College World Series, the greatest show on dirt, is upon us. Sooners looking to get a day one win. We will be back for hour number three in just a moment. Stay with us.